Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today I want to begin a new series that I've been saving for a while. And it's going to take us on a 13 and a half year journey. But I can promise you this, that it has as much to do with your personal life as it does with us corporately as a church. And one of the things that I want to do throughout this series is I want to speak to us corporately, but I also want to speak to us individually. Um, I, I do need to take my time with this series. And the title of this series is, Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? And I want to take my time with this series because I believe that this series is in itself, it's a journey. And so I think it's important for us just to, to take our time as we work through this. And I promise you, I'll get us there, but I need you to be patient with me, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be patient. Okay, I need you to be patient with me on this as we go through this journey. What parent hasn't been on a road trip and heard that infamous phrase from the child in the back seat, are we there yet? Maybe you were traveling to your favorite amusement park when all of a sudden that child's voice from the back seat asked that question, mommy, daddy, are we there yet? Maybe you were traveling to uh, their grandparents' house, taking them to see your mom and dad, and your child is just getting antsy in the back seat. And so the question comes forth, are we there yet? Maybe you're traveling to a baseball tournament for, for one of their siblings, and, and the question comes up, are, are we there yet? And sometimes you receive this question from the back seat in a different form. It, it's still asking the same thing, but it sounds a little bit more like this. How much longer before we get there? And there's just this impatience that comes with it because they, they are eager to arrive. And, and I've, I've come to figure out that children are not the only impatient travelers. I know this firsthand because I find myself sometimes traveling certain stretches of pavement and it, they seem to, it, the pavement never seems to end. It just seems like they, they moved that particular city wherever I'm going, they've moved it. And, and one of those stretches of pavement for me is between, I think, it's, I think it's Highway 19, between Cross City and Perry. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that stretch of road is just, it's, it's grueling. I mean, it, it, it's just horrible. That's one of those stretches for me. Uh, another, another stretch of road for me, and we just traveled it last weekend going up to, to see Kendall in Tennessee, and, and the weekend before that we traveled this same stretch um, uh, when we went to the marriage conference north of Atlanta. And it's that road between, it's, it's I-75 between Lake City and Macon. Lake City, Florida, Macon, Georgia. It's, it's just a straight shot. And, and it is just never ending. It just, it feels like it's going for days. And then an, another stretch of road that, that feels like this also is like anywhere on I-10. <laughs> Wherever you're going on I-10, it's, it's just, it's God forsaken, isn't it? I mean, it, there's, there's nothing there. It's like when, when God was creating, he's like, I'm going to make this the most miserable stretch on the planet right here. And, and it's just horrible. I mean, it, it will cause a grown butt man like myself just to say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's an honest question. It really is. You can't blame someone for asking the question. 
Because it does. It comes from this place of eagerness, excitement, and, and, and expectation. It can come from a place of anticipation. But sometimes it even comes from a place of discomfort and pain. Because you're tired of being in that particular situation. And so you ask the question, are we there yet? This phrase once caused parents to develop a response to shut down the conversation. And this is the best that parents could come up with for some reason. And the problem is not that the, the response is, it's not as much illogical as it, as it is inconsiderate. But, but here's the response to, are we there yet? We will get there when we get there. Really? We'll get there when we get there? I mean, what does that even mean? I, I, of course we're going to get there when we get there. But when will we get there? When a child asks that question, they're looking for, you know, what is the ETA? What's that estimated time of arrival? When are we going to get there? Don't tell me when we get there. When are we going to get there? And adults can ask the same question in just a more sophisticated way. Because they'll say things like this to me. What is the estimated completion date of your construction? <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I've been asked that question, we would move into that building debt free. <laughs> or, or maybe they'll say something like this. What is your expected move-in date? I've heard them. I told my Wednesday night Bible study group this past week that if, if one more person walks up to me and, and tries to make this kind-hearted, sympathizing remark like, Pastor, in God's timing. <laughs> really? Or, it will be perfect when it's finished. It will be worth the wait. <clears throat> I told him Wednesday night, one more person walks up to me and says that I'm going to punch him right dead in the throat. <laughs> Would you believe one person did? <laughs> He's in the hospital this week, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. I want to read verses 2 through 9 today. Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 9. Just to kind of catch you up on this moment in history and what we're reading. Um, the... Israelites, the Hebrews, they have been in bondage. They've been in slavery for 400 years, serving the Egyptians. And God raises up Moses to be their liberator. He is the one that is going to bring them out of captivity, bring them out of Egypt, and start moving them towards their promised land. After God convinces Moses that he is the one that he's going to use, there's some other people that's got to be convinced of this. First of all, Moses has to go talk with Pharaoh. And that's going to be a tough conversation. And, and Moses realizes he's got to have this conversation with Pharaoh. And so he does. He goes and has that conversation. It does not go well. But the other group of people that, that have to be convinced of this are the Hebrews, the Israelites. Moses has to have a conversation with them and convince them that this is God's will for them to move out of bondage, to move out of slavery, and to start heading towards their promised land. And so we pick it up in Exodus chapter 6, verse 2. It says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. 
Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Church, before you can get to the question, are we there yet? We must first recognize that, that every journey begins with the revelation of we can't stay here. We can't stay here. Before you can ever get to the question being asked, are we there yet? You first have to realize that you can't stay here and embark on a journey. For instance, if you want to experience Disney World with your family, you must realize that you can't get there sitting in your driveway. It's the most magical place on earth, but its magic will not bring it to you. You have to go to it, so you have to travel to get to Disney World. You can't stay at your house, you have to go there. If your family wants to eat Chick-fil-A, you've got to get in the car to go there. I know that it's, it's, it's holy food, but, but it's not going to come to you. You have to get in your car and, and make an effort to go to Chick-fil-A. Just don't go today because they're closed on Sunday, as Kanye has told us. They are closed on Sunday. You couldn't even get to church this morning without making a conscious decision that church isn't coming to you, so you must go to it. And so you made that choice to say, I can't stay here in my house, I must go to church. And so you made that effort and, and you went there, you went here. The same mindset applies to life in general. If you want a better occupational position, you can't stay where you're at. Now, when I say that, I don't mean go and, and quit your job, okay? I don't, I don't need you making stupid decisions and blaming me. That's not what I'm saying. If you want a better occupational position, you can't stay where you are at. It will require movement in your job. And so you're going to have to figure out how you're going to climb that corporate ladder. Sometimes it does uh, 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 require you to leave a certain job to take another job, but you better pray about that and make sure that you hear from heaven. If you want a better marriage, you can't stay where you're at. And what I mean by that is don't divorce your spouse and say, Pastor Rocky told me to. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Everybody understands that. Some of you are like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> did, did, did I just get out of jail free card? You know, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. If you want a better marriage, you can't stay where you're at. You can't keep doing what you've been doing and expecting to get different results. You can't stay where you're at in that circumstance. You're going to have to make some changes. If you want to be a better parent, you can't keep doing what you're currently doing. There needs to be movement in your current parenting techniques. And so you have to make changes. We can't stay here. Somebody say, we can't stay here. Oh, say it like you mean it. We can't stay here. 
every journey begins with the revelation that if we are going to get out of here, we can't stay here. We're going to have to take a step, sometimes a step of faith, and we're going to have to begin this journey because we can't stay here. Fourteen years ago, my wife and I looked at each other in Tampa and we said we can't stay here. We didn't have to leave. We had a, a good position there. I was making the most at, at that time that I'd ever made in ministry. And we were at a good church that could financially provide for me and for my family. Things were good. But there was something inside of us that just wasn't right. And I knew that God was leading us to go and, and plant a church. And so Mandy and I began praying about this, and, and, and we came to this conclusion that we can't stay here. We can't stay in Tampa. We can't stay here. And we started seeking God. And long story short, we planned to move to Newberry, Florida. Back in 2006, we launched DCC in an old existing church building that would only seat 120 people max. 120 people. In March of 2008, that is a year and a half after launching the church, this small group of people said, we can't stay here and accomplish what God wants us to do. We are going to have to make some decisions to move us out of this building. We can't stay here. And this small group of people said, let's buy 20 acres of land on Newberry Road between here and Gainesville because we can't stay here. In 2018, many of you were a part of, of this decision. This church got serious and we signed a construction loan and we, we began the process of, of building because people here knew that we could not stay in the Panther Palace. Panther Palace. You're going to miss that one day. You know that, right? You're going to miss me saying Panther Palace. Twelve years later, 13 and a half years after launching, 12 years after buying the land, we are knocking on the doors of that destination. Let me tell you, I, I, I'll tell you like I, I told the band before first service this morning when we were praying, we are right now weeks away. It's not months. It's weeks away from moving into our new home. We are, we are getting close to it. When I say we're knocking on the doors, I mean we're literally knocking on the doors. Literally. Like, I had to go and check out, uh, they started building the stage this past week, and I, I needed to go check something with that. And I've been able to just walk into the building anytime I needed to. Well, they put the glass doors on the front of the building and all around the building, and I could not get in. I literally had to knock on the door to get into our building this week. <laughs> Every journey begins with the revelation that we can't stay here. You cannot reach what God has for your life by staying in that situation, by staying in that mindset, by staying where the enemy has you bound. You have to make a decision. And that decision begins with the revelation of we can't stay here. Unfortunately, the people of Israel were not in a good place mentally. They've been in bondage for 400 years. Think about 400 years of slavery. Imagine what this does to a people. For 400 years, they're treated less than. For 400 years, they're oppressed. They could not make a healthy decision because they were so broken in spirit is what the Bible says. 
And their workload had gone from bad to worse. You see, when Moses went to talk with Pharaoh and he explained to Pharaoh, he said, listen, I, I need you to, to put your stamp of approval on me taking these Hebrews out into the wilderness for three days so that we can worship their God. So we're going to go out into the wilderness. Will, will you give us the okay? And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to give you the okay. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make life worse for them. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to all their taskmasters and I'm going to say, stop gathering straw for them. Make them gather their own straw so that they can break, make the bricks to build with. And so their situation went from bad to worse. I wonder how many of us become satisfied living in this dying state because someone told us that we can't or we shouldn't do it. I wonder how many of us, we stay right where the enemy wants us because somebody has whispered in our ear and said, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. I'm not going to let you do that. And because of that intimidation, we stay right where the enemy wants us and we are bound. We are bound to slavery and we are, we are bound in a mindset and we never step out and make the decision of we can't stay here. We must move forward. The enemy has oppressed your mind to the point that you find your identity in the state that you're in. You don't have the education to apply for that promotion so you don't even try. You're meant to be in a dysfunctional marriage because that's how your parents were. Your kids are supposed to live life rebellious, rebelliously because you live your life that way. And, and, and we just buy into these mindsets that the enemy keeps throwing at us. One of the greatest traps of the enemy is to keep you blind in your current conditions to keep you from seeing what life could be, what life should be. On where God wants to take you because he keeps you intimidated right here in this moment. And Israel, they could not see what they could be because they were stu stuck where they shouldn't be. Someone needs to make up your mind this morning that, that you can't stay where you are and fulfill God's promises for your life. You just can't. I'm going to close a little bit different this morning than I normally would. Because there's this story in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7 that shows the other side of this mindset. Let me just paint this picture for you of what was happening in history. You see, the Syrian army had surrounded Samaria, which at the time was the capital city for Israel. And so the Syrian army had surrounded the capital. And the king of Syria is refusing to allow any goods to come into the city. He has shut down all of the supplies. And so everyone inside of the city, they're starving to death. There's nothing to eat. This is the, the, the Syrian king's plan. Let's starve them, let's make them weak, and we will conquer them. It is so bad that the Bible says that they were paying top dollar to eat donkey heads and dove dung. Now, if you don't know what dove dung is, ask your neighbor what dove dung is. They'll explain it to you really quick. But I promise you, it's, it's not a delicacy. This is not something that you want, okay? They were so hungry. There's no easy way to put this. This is how bad it was. 
they started eating their own children. You see, when you're starving, you don't think right. When you're physically starving, you're mentally starving. And they were making poor decisions on, on eating their own children. Needless to say, it was a critical time for Israel. But God spoke to the prophet Elisha, and Elisha prophesied that this famine was going to end by the next day. But to the Israelites, it looked hopeless. How many of you know it? It's hard to believe when you're tired, when you're hungry, and when you're hopeless. When you're stuck in a hopeless situation, it's, it's just hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It, it's hard to see the dawning of a new day. When it's hopeless, all you can see is the circumstance that you're stuck in. Just as Elisha promised, in the middle of the night, God calls the Syrian army to hear the sounds of horses and chariots. It was so loud that the Syrian army thought that two armies were attacking them. They, they actually thought the Hittites and the Egyptians, two of Israel's enemies, they thought they had combined forces to come and save Israel. That's how loud it was. These are horses and chariots. These are advanced armies. They, they, they are going to conquer us. And so they didn't even take time to pack up. The Syrians just, just got up and, and got out of Dodge. They just left town as quick as possible, left everything behind in their camp. But no one in Samaria is aware of this. They're all inside of their walls of their city, and, and, and they don't know what's happening outside of the walls of their city. They're hungry. They're scared. They, they are still living the oppressed life, just like the enemy has them surrounded. And they have no idea that they're a free people. But outside the city is this leper colony. And if you don't know what a leper colony was, a leper colony was, was people that, that developed this, or, 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 uh, it was a contagious disease, or at least they thought it was. And, and when they developed leprosy, and it was a skin disease, when they would develop this disease, they would exile them outside the city. They could not live inside the city near everyone else. They all had to live together talking about misery loves company that's where it was at they were all out there together stuck in this leper colony just waiting to die and, and the only food that they would get was was when people would throw stuff over the wall to them that's how they would be fed and so if they're starving to death inside the city they're starving to death outside of the city in the leper colony it was bad That's where we pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Now, there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, listen to what, listen to what they say here. This is so, so good. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. In other words, church, we can't stay here. There's nothing good going to come out of us staying here. We're dying anyway. We certainly don't want to go into the city. They're, they're dying. They're eating each other. 
What do we have to lose but to go to the camp of the Syrians? And if they let us live, then we live. If not, then they'll kill us and put us out of their, our misery. We can't stay here. Verse 5. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went back and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. No one's there to defend that stuff. It, it's, 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 it's free. It's, it, whoever comes can just get it because the Syrians are gone, and they keep taking stuff, going and hiding it. They'll come back. They'll, they'll raid another house, and no one's there to defend that. And God has just supplied food for these lepers. And, and, the, and, and the people of Samaria, they have no idea at all that the, there's an abundance of food right outside the gates waiting for them. All it takes, church, is this mindset of we can't stay here to start the journey that leads to more. I can't stay here. We cannot become satisfied eating the, eating the stubborn mind of an old mule. We cannot become satisfied consuming the leftover waste of what once flew high. We cannot become satisfied letting our children suffer because mom and dad are cowards and won't confront the issue. We can't stay here. As for me and my house, we can't stay here. Not even understanding that all it takes is the step of faith. That God will go and fight the battle for us. We just need to get up and start walking towards what God has promised us. It won't always be easy. And it's going to, at times, require a certain amount of faith, but the Bible says that he's given all of us a measure of faith. It's there. Whether you activate it or not is up to you. We can't stay here. When you start a career, it's a journey. When you get married, it's a journey. When you have kids, how many parents in the room know what I'm talking about? It's a journey with kids, amen? And when you plant a church, it's a journey. And for 13 and a half years, it has been a journey. But all of this leads me to believe life is a journey. Your life, my life, our life, it, it, it's a journey. And if you don't like where you're at, then wake up tomorrow morning, look at yourself in the mirror, look at your family, look at your kids, look at your dog if you have to, and say, we can't stay here. My marriage can't stay here. My family can't stay here. My career can't stay here. 
we can't stay here. And that means somebody's got to have the faith to step out and start walking towards your promise. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.